Hi everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of Your Fab Life. In this episode, we have the pleasure to interview Women's Day Magazine featured Dr. Samira Freeman, psychologist and life coach, on her five tips for professional women when setting boundaries. Hi, everybody. We're back again with the Your Fab Life podcast from LegallyFab.com. We have the pleasure of interviewing today, Dr. Samira Freeman. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, absolutely. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So for our audience that doesn't are obviously already know you, could you give our audience a background on like where you went to school and what your focus practices right now with your, your therapy and your counseling? Um, I am a, a psychologist. I'm licensed in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and California. Um, I work with children and families. I do a great, a great amount of work with them, but I also work with a lot of couples as well around relationships, interpersonal things, transitions that people experience in their lives. So I do a lot of work in those areas. I've been to school many, many times. Uh, I feel like I have a lot of, of a lot of hats, um, both in education and, and psychology as well. So, uh, yeah. I um, I would say I'm not jack of, of, of all trades, but I do work very closely and intimately with um, children, their families, and just individuals trying to find their way in um, in life, dealing with various things that life has to kind of throw at you. Well, that's a great transition for the name and the subject matter of the podcast today. Um, our, our podcast talks today about five mental health tips for professional women. Um, most people that listen to this podcast, again, are professional women, either single women um, that are balancing life or even women that are married and have families, um, but they're still trying to balance everything and be superwoman and say yes to everybody. Um, and so I think these five mental health tips um, will, will, will definitely benefit the audience, will obviously benefit me. It's also a struggle for me um, to, to just have a balance sometime. So with that being said, we're gonna, we're gonna jump right into the five mental health tips that you've recommended. Um, so the first okay. one is think about your actual needs. Can you tell us yeah. a little more about that? Yes, definitely. I think that in order for you to kind of figure out how you're going to support your needs, you need to actually spend some dedicated time figuring out what they are, right? It's difficult to protect your needs and and um, assert boundaries and all those things that we'll talk about a little bit later when you don't even really know what your needs are. So I think um, spending dedicated time just figuring out like what's going on for me, like really just taking time to pause, especially for busy professional women like myself and um, and like you, Jay, I think that it's very important that we carve out time to actually do that so that you have the time bandwidth mental space to spend a little time decompressing and also um, I think breaking down what is going on in your life and what kinds of things are stressful, what kinds of things are triggers so that you can identify some of what your actual needs are. Because without knowing what they are first and being clear about them, it makes it harder to figure out a plan for how to support yourself and how to get those needs like met. So I think that's really, really, really important. And, and and this is good because even when I sit here and I think about what you're saying, I'm like, okay, what is what is one of my needs? I know a big need of mine is just having quiet time. Mm-hmm. That that is a need for me. Um, because 
it's like the minute my alarm goes off at seven or eight o'clock in the morning, a lot of times I'm working off of East Coast and West Coast time. I'm like immediately like into work. And I said, you know what? No, the the first part of my day is not going to be checking an email, taking a call, checking social media. Like I need to carve out some quiet time. So I, I recognize that was some, and it's something that I've, I've, I'm, I've been pretty consistent with, I think, at least mm-hmm. for the last few months of just making sure I have that quiet time um, in the beginning. Another example, um, I think a lot of us have, you know, negative people maybe in our lives or people that are toxic and they're not bad people, but maybe they only complain. <laughs> maybe, you know, they never have anything positive to say. Um, so, <laughs> you know, maybe it's a need to, you know, maybe just have less of those conversations because it really does get in your spirit, you know, a lot of the negativity that, you know, is going on even in the world, yeah. let alone in people's lives. So yeah, yeah, these are just some example of needs, you know, so what, what do you need? So once someone has identified what they need, you then say, list your triggers. <laughs> Yes. Right. So, so once you figure out what you need, you know, like I agree with you, I definitely am someone who needs quiet and alone time. I think people probably would categorize me as somewhat like an extrovert, but I actually like to spend a lot of time on my own, just sort of decompressing and spending time alone to recharge. And and that's what I mean in terms of what your needs are, like what, what are the things that you need to do for yourself to help you recharge, help you refocus, help you get recentered? Um, because like I said, again, if you don't know what they are, then you certainly can't do them um, in order to get yourself back on track. Um, to the second part of uh, the second part of that is um, I think has a lot to do with coming up with a plan for how you're going to actually get some of those needs met. Um, so there's several different things that um, that we touched on um, before we spoke. So which one would you like me to start with? Well, in terms of listing a trigger, can you give our, our audience an example of like a, like something that, you know, is a problem for someone and then show like an example of what a trigger with right, right. So, so essentially, um, I think triggers are the things that I identify as things that are emotionally and energetically draining for you. So whether it's like you said, it sounded like when in some of your examples, like maybe even tracking emails right at the first start of the morning it could be a trigger to unsettling you for the rest of the day, getting you sort of maybe too sped up before you get the day started. So triggers would be, I think, things that you identify as after they happen or when they're happening, you can feel your battery kind of just getting more and more depleted, whether it's like a social engagement and interaction with, like you said, individuals that are having that situation, or if it's a set of uh, experiences or responsibilities that are sort of like overwhelming, um, identifying what those things are that put you in a place where you're sort of, I feel like at an emotional deficit, right? So what are those things that are happening? Is it, um, for example, I know the holidays are coming up for a lot of people. Um, The holidays and seeing family that you haven't seen in a while, especially with everything that's going on, could be very triggering for a lot of people for various different reasons. Maybe it's even just the idea of traveling during, all of this pandemic, this this situation. Maybe it's just traveling in general. Like whatever it is, you want to identify what some of those things are that gets you to a place where you're feeling unsettled, where you're feeling dysregulated, where you're feeling, like I said, emotionally uh, depleted or tapped out. Because again, if you know what those things are, then you can start to plan. So first you identified what your need is. Like, okay, I need, let's say, alone time. 
in order to feel settled and recharged. So if then you identify that like, well, during that, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, everyone's going to be at the house and it's going to be a whole long marathon <laughs> of situations. And it's right. going to be, and someone's going to ask me to go pick up this and go get that. And you, if you can already foresee that that's probably going to happen and it's going to put you at a place where you're going to be triggered, but you may not be able to get that need met. Then what you can do is plan ahead for that. Like maybe I show up to Thanksgiving dinner at this time because I'm not there during the chaotic preparation time that's going to be happening all before everybody gets there. So maybe I plan to come at this time because I know that for me, being there in the fray of, let's say, whatever is going on and the unexpected needs of what's happening in that situation, for me right now, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. And so I make an adjustment so that I can both get my need met and be mindful of what it is that my trigger is so that I don't show up to Thanksgiving dinner upset and grouchy and whatever else, because I'm trying to be something or be in a state that I'm not really ready to be in because I've sort of overextended myself. Well, I think that leads to the third tip, which is making an actual boundary. So you have the need, you know, which, you know, triggers, right, that that gets you in that deficit. So in order to um, overcome these triggers, you have to make, you know, some sort of boundary for mm -hmm. that family member, that boyfriend, that child, that coworker, that boss. I mean, some of the women that are listening, you know, they're very, you know, very um, high demanding roles. They're lawyers, they're doctors, they're teachers, you know, they're in these professions where a lot of times it's hard to say, no, which I guess is a yeah. whole nother podcast. We can do a whole podcast <laughs> and say no, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's it's the bad word. Don't tell people no. We tend to be uh, people pleasers and things like that, especially women. I think women in general, our default button is yes. It's not no. I had a friend say recently, no is a full sentence. It really is. It really yeah. is. And I feel like with men, they they can do no more than yes. Like they're okay with saying no before yes. And we're more okay with saying yes before no. So I just think it's how we are uh, socialized and because we're supposed to be nurturing caretakers. And really women have really only been in the workplace for really 50 years. That's not really a long time. Women were not, you know, we were always at home, the home and the, the husband, the children or whatever with the, these full-time jobs anyway. And now you have women stepping out and having careers and, and trying to do it all. And even women that don't have husbands and children, it's yeah. still a full-time job taking care of themselves and, you know, satisfying what they need to do um, to succeed professionally. So, yeah. you know, making There's a lot of boundaries. socialization around that, like just yeah. in terms of just um, whether people, and I was recently talking about this with um, with a group of young ladies, brilliant like young ladies, and we were just talking about the idea of um, self-advocacy and like, where do you learn how to advocate for yourself and to create boundaries and how comfortable are you doing that? And we talked a little bit about um, how just as um, as of as women of color and just as uh, as women in general that um, you know socialization throughout various different cultures and things of that nature it's not necessarily something that um, women are often encouraged to do in terms of like identify what your needs are and then assert a boundary that 
that speaks to what it is that your needs are before putting someone else's needs before your own, whether that be the needs of your children, your boss, your, your partner, whoever it is that often that is an unfortunate, um, I feel like byproduct of some of the, uh, the, the imaging, the socialization, the, uh, the cultural norms and various things that have kind of given um, women the message that their needs are not as important. And so they should therefore, you know, they should, you know, focus their intention on meeting the needs of other people before they meet the needs of themselves. Um, and before we move on to tip number four, I just want to dive a little deeper into boundaries because um, yeah. something that you that you said that I struggle with is, okay, so I'm really good at the first three tips, like the needs, <laughs> the triggers, and then I make the boundary. But the problem is after I make the boundary, I don't necessarily stick with it because um, I don't stick with the boundary necessarily because it doesn't really work for the person that I've created the boundary for. So I can be in a relationship or I can be, you know, this can even be with family. I say, you know, I have a niece that's getting ready to have a baby shower. I'm not helping you with the baby shower, but what have I've already done? I sent her the oh, name the of her, shower. right? <laughs> I, you know, not a lot. But, you know, I sent her the name of her caterer for her 16th birthday because she's having a meltdown because she has no one to cater this. You know, I sent her a link to where she can like put an invitation together. Like, like, so it's not like super me helping, but it is, you know, I'm giving the boundary. I, I went over <laughs> the boundary. I said I wasn't going to help. I said I was going to buy a gift, send the gift. Or if I showed up, I would show up at the end of the shower because I didn't want to be around all those people. You know, I like had already said in my mind what the boundary is and I'm already like, you know, because I feel bad. She's having a meltdown Happens on the phone. All the time. And so, so I find myself, how can I put it? I find myself adjusting the boundary. Same thing in my, my personal relationships. I'll say, okay, this is what you want. This is what I want. Okay. If it doesn't match, this is what I'm willing to do right now. And then I'll do it for a little bit. And then I find myself not doing that boundary anymore. So Yes. I so let's I'm circle back to well. boundaries. <laughs> so yeah. So let's do. Let's go quickly dive into once we create the boundary. How do you stick with the boundary? So I think an important boundaries are hard because especially I feel like boundaries in love are super duper challenging. Um, just because there is an unspoken desire to. I think want the best in people and to want people to have your best interests at heart and to put that in the forefront of things. But I think that um, something that speaks very, I think, uh, very much to boundaries is that your boundaries are your own boundaries. And like, the boundaries of what somebody else thinks is appropriate or thinks is okay, especially with regards to how they treat you or regard to how many uh, how many requests they put upon you, that's going to be what their, their perception of that boundary is. And the only person that can really hold the boundary that is that makes sense for you is you, right? Because like, you could say, I don't want to be involved in this baby shower, for example. That's my boundary. It's stressing me out to even consider it. But the other person is going like, well, but for, for them, even if you communicated that, me asking you is still a boundary I'm okay with stepping over. It's not really, it's not my boundary. I'm okay with, with let's say, asking you to do something that you may or may not want to do. Or let's say with the romantic situation, I still want to be in contact. So I'm still doing that because that's what I need. But you have to go back to what you need. <laughs> 
what's working for you? And are those things still triggering for you? And I think the reason why people put their boundaries down or they, they another framework that we um, use in terms of just sort of thinking about emotions and, um, and, and just sort of how we relate to one another is that your, your boundaries are permeable. So like they're there, but they're not real boundaries. Like you can put things through them, around them, over them, under them, then they're not really firm boundaries. And unfortunately what that means is that the other person starts to set and create the boundary that once again, you're living within and you're, you're basing your behavior off of when in reality, you should be basing the boundaries that work for you off of what actually works for you. So if I, if this is what I said I needed because it's triggering for me otherwise, or it doesn't feel good for me, or it's emotionally taxing or financially, I can't do it. Or I, I've already said that this is too much. Then I have to honor that. That's what I said. That's what yeah. I said I needed. And so like, if you need something else for me, there's two parts to that. One, I don't feel guilty that I can't give to you because I'm, I need to protect my own boundary here and like my own preserve, my own self-care in that moment. And number two, it's absolutely okay for me to say, I don't like this, or I don't want this, or I don't want any more of this, or that this doesn't feel good for me. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think back to the socialization part, you know, if someone doesn't like our boundary a lot of the time, or if somebody doesn't want to respect our boundary or they've decided they want to climb over it or like I said crawl under the fence or whatever it is that like because they have done that we then like allow it and you don't have to you don't have to you know and like I said I think in relationships with people in general whether people that we love because they're our family members or people that we love because they're in relationships or people that we love because they're friends it can be hard to set a boundary with someone that you care about when you are overthinking how they're going to respond to your boundary and the reality is that's not your responsibility <laughs> It's not my responsibility for you to be able to manage, digest, be okay with, understand, accept my boundary. But I have a responsibility to myself to create the boundary, especially when I've walked myself through all those parts. I know what my needs are. I know what's triggering and doesn't work for me. And I created this boundary because of the first two aforementioned. So then why am I backing down from the boundary that I created in an effort to protect myself and keep myself healthy and keep myself well? That's just not productive for you. And the reason it's not productive for you is because if you let people go through those boundaries over and over and over again, all you're doing is taking little pieces away from yourself and for, from the places that you need to restore for yourself. So once again, at the end of it, you're going to be tapped out and depleted right. and not having what you need and not be able to do what you need to do for yourself because you've overextended or because you've let people kind of just march on over your boundaries. <laughs> so, well, I yeah. think, I think that's the secondary tip. I think the secondary tip really is you have to remind the minute you find yourself going against the, your own boundary that you set for them or they are getting it. ready to go across it that you remind yourself why you set the boundary in the first place. In the because, first place. Because if you, the minute you step over it, are you getting ready to spend some money that you said that you didn't have? <laughs> um, are you getting ready to, you know, <laughs> tap yourself out emotionally to involve yourself in a situation that may not even have anything to do with you? You didn't cause like, just so that you can help them. I mean, and again, it's nothing wrong with, like you said, 
helping people. And yeah, there, there are some general like exceptions, I feel like to the rule, but yeah. generally speaking, when things I, are reciprocal, I, I think, exceptions. right. I just think if it's not reciprocal, if it's not maybe like an emergency, maybe, yeah, you gotta, you gotta remind yourself why you, why you set that, that boundary. Um, Cause okay. there's always a reason. Because there's always a reason. So before you, before any crossing happens, remind like, why did I set this boundary again? And then, and that's then, right. That that's why. So this is why I can tell this person. Here it is. No, again. again. <laughs> this is why I said uh, I wasn't right. going to do why this why again because I ain't really got it. Right. Exactly. So yeah. No. No. So I know for me. Um, whether in my dating relationships or especially with my family, I think it's more in my family than in my dating relationships that I allow them to cross boundaries all the time because I am, you know, the lawyer in the family, I'm the responsible person in the family. So it's like, this is the person that you go to for a problem, whether it be financial or not. Like if you have a problem, she's the lawyer in the family, go to her. And it's like, I'm not a lawyer all the time. I'm a human being. Just a regular person. I'm a regular person. I get tired. Sometimes I'm thinking like, well, thank God I'm not a doctor because they would be asking me to fill out prescriptions. I would be looking <laughs> at body parts. I would be like, but I'm only, a, you know, I'm only an orthopedic. And they're like, you can still look at my arm. You can still look I'm at I'm an orthodontist. This is a... <laughs> right. I think if I had been a doctor, it would have been the same exact thing. They would have figured out a way to like tap me out where they could even with that. And so, and again, it doesn't come, it rarely comes, right, from a vicious place, whether it's a romantic partner or yeah. a family member. I just think Again, the secondary tip under boundary should be once you make that boundary, remind yourself why you created that boundary before you before you or the other person steps over it. With that being said, the fourth tip um, that you recommended with our audience is identify your support system and resources. So tell us a little bit more about that and examples of what a support system or resource could look like. So I would say that again, because people kind of march over your boundaries or they just tiptoe through them or before you know it, you're like, how'd you get on this side again? (laughs) (laughs) I think that a big part of identifying your resource and support system is so that A, you can rally the troops so that you can keep those boundaries as firm as they need to be. So like whether it is a support social system, whether it's like, um, you know, let's say even if you were, even if it's financial, right? Like if you want to plan to do something in particular um, so that it doesn't stress you out, like making a plan, like who are your resources, who and what are your resources that you might need to tap into when you are, let's say, in not the best situation or you emotionally need a break. So for example, like for, for parents and um, for families, um, when you're feeling emotionally tapped out with your kids or, you know, like the the, the after school routine is just starting to tap you out, juggling the three kids and figuring out who's got homework and what have you and all the things. You know, sometimes your resource is, if you have one, sometimes your resource is your partner. Sometimes that's speaking to that person about, we need to come up with a better system and plan because right now what's happening right now is it working for me and it's tapping me out. Or if you don't have, like I said, a, you know, a partner and you're in a parenting situation, just to stick with that example, you know, who are the other people that you can rally in? Are there aunts, are there uncles, are there friends, are there other people in your circle and your support system that you can tap into when you are not at your best? The reality is 
we are not all at our best. I mean, nobody is. Again, the gram will tell you otherwise, but that's not the reality of right, like right, life. Right. Um, even for the rich and famous, it's just not. Um, and so I think that making sure that you can identify who those people are. And if you don't have what let's say whether those people or situations or even a resource could be like, I get to go to this, this, this park that I go to and I, I spend I go spend my I, go, I jog there or I, I take my journal and I and I sit by the lake and that's something that's helpfully help helpful for me. The reality is like it doesn't matter what the resource is, but to identify what and or who the resource is so that you have a plan to kind of fortify your plan to protect your boundaries and to make sure that you're not getting yourself to places where you're super tapped out and you don't have a plan to go to at that point because that's not the best time to create a plan when you literally are running on empty that's not what right. I want to plan create so a plan a plan to identify again the, the support system and resources you're going to need once you're at you know you know even before you get to the points of being tapped out or at your rope set just doing it beforehand um I think an obvious resource is someone like Dr. Samara. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times, especially in minority communities, you know, seeing a therapist is kind of looked down upon like, oh, no, you know, talk to Jesus, talk to your mama, keep it, <laughs> keep it to yourself. Just um, be strong. There's be strong, one. you know, uh, that sometimes, you know, it's it's being, I think it's being more embraced now, um, especially in oh, the yeah. American community. But I think. Yeah, me mental health um, hasn't, again, always been something that, you know, people wanted to talk about. So people aren't even talking about it. Lord behold, you actually pay, you know, a therapist. But if you have insurance, um, some of the times your insurance will actually cover it. And if you find someone that's not yeah. on insurance, it, it can be pretty reasonable. You know, you don't have to, you can do a few hours at a time. You don't have to commit like a lot of time. You can fill out a couple of people to see who would be a good fit. But I think an obvious resource is sometimes we need to talk to people that have no skin in the game. They have no, yeah. like they don't, they're not going to have any bias because they don't have any skin in the game. They don't have anything to win or lose by giving you the advice. So um, I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend, and even for myself, that's something I, I, you know, as I continue to rise in my career and grow even personally with, you know, wanting to become a wife, wanting to become a mother and all those things, I know I'm going to need a therapist on call and I know I can't continue to keep calling you. So <laughs> I, I need a, I need a neutral, you know, person that I can pay out of my insurance or out of pocket to listen and, and really help me. Like you said, before maybe even before you get, you know, some of this is um, preventative too. If you, if you yeah, are, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Some of my clients are people that are um, thinking about a transition, a life transition, or processing transitions. Um, I think you know, um, like I like to think of myself as more like a counselor and a coach than I would say a therapist, um, because my approach is a little bit different. Um, generally speaking, I kind of have like a short-term problem-solving kind of uh, approach with things. Um, I kind of want to dig into what the specific issues are and come up sort of with like an action plan so we can move you like move the needle and move you um as well you know I don't I mean I think therapy and counseling is great um and it's in depending there's a wide range of I would say needs that people have um so sometimes therapy as in long-term therapy over time is necessary because of the mental health is illness that's indicated um 
But what I find, I think for myself personally, the most invigorating at this moment is, is you know, because I feel like is, is, is that population of people that, like you said, don't know that they could have a little bit of help to get over that that hump to get to that next place and get to that next step. Um, and those are the people that often a lot of times are kind of suffering, suffering with something in silence or having like doing that thing where they're teetering on the like, should I talk to somebody about this or not space? Um, and I think a lot of people are in that space of like, should I like, this is really hard, or I'm really struggling, but I'm struggling with this alone. And sort of those folks that need sort of like a push that over push the other over end of actually. it. Mm -hmm. Right. But and then to be in to be then invigorated and empowered to figure out, like, how can I tackle this particular life situation that might be over the boundaries or triggering me everywhere left and right? And how do I come up with an action plan to kind of adjust some of those things so that, like, whatever is happening moving forward isn't as stressful or isn't as crazy or isn't as overwhelming? Because um, I think there's a ton of people that fit into that bucket of need that's very different than um than, than uh, the vast, like I said, variety of different kinds of um, mental health support that's out there at this at this time. There's definitely a group of people who fit that 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 diaspora where it's like I don't know if I need somebody to talk to about this, but it really is really really hard for me. And again, this is why you know again you know identifying those resources, those people, even if it's not going to be um, an actual therapist, maybe you do a coach instead, you know, right. hear about life like coaches, life exactly. coaches, right. So, you know, again, it's not a one size fit all, no. um, but just identify that, that support system and that resource, uh, which lead, uh, leads us to our fifth and final tip, uh, making, make your self care plan. So um, we hear that word, it's like a buzzword, self-care, you know, um, I feel like it's a pop, it's been a popular word, maybe the last five to 10 years, especially with the pandemic. Especially with the you pandemic. Know, it was yeah. like, you never got a break from like the boyfriend, the husband, the kids, your work. It was always at home with you. Right there to so, meet you. Right. So self, to go. I think self-care has a new meaning now that we're in this post-COVID, post-pandemic world where, you know, things look a lot different. So tell us yeah. a little bit more about like some examples of like a self-care plan. What could be in a self-care plan for someone? You know, I think to your point about the idea of self-care being something that's sort of like cliche these days. For me, self-care has something that's been very intimately connected to my life. As a professional woman, I was usually working anywhere from like 60 to 70 hour weeks when I worked in the public school system, um, supporting there. I was also an administrator. I was in grad programs. I was doing everything all the time everywhere. And this is before the pandemic. And this is before self-care was a thing. And before everyone thought that maybe we could all use a therapist after this traumatic experience that we've all continued to live through for the last two going on three years. Um, so I early on through like some of my research around burnout was actually very, very interested. So this is probably I'm trying to think of how many years ago this was at this point, probably over 10 years ago. Um, I was very fascinated and interested in self-care and wellness around meditation, relaxation responses and things like that. And so that's what I ended up doing a lot of my own personal research around professional women and looking at um, and how, how burnout uh, 
burnout evolves and what creates it. And so for me, self-care isn't like the cool thing to say these days because of everything that's going on. But this is like my own personal crusade. Like I think that without, um, right, without, uh, like I said, radical self-care, you can run yourself into the ground. You can physically create situations for yourself where your health is not is not what it needs to be. Stress and exposure long-term to high levels of cortisol is horrible for you. It's horrible for you on so many levels. Um, literally taking, you know, just, just, it has, all kinds of implications. Well, the and biggest thing is the biggest thing is cancer. I, and I know people don't like to say the C word, but there are a lot of people, um, cancer and heart conditions. I, I know two men that died in their 30s because of stress. So they were in their 30s. They were healthy individuals before then. They both died from um, some cardiac, um, yeah. cardiac related issues because they put too much on themselves or they weren't eating yeah. properly and things like that. So as much as we think yeah. The, yeah. those those boosts in um the boosts in adrenaline and and cortisol and things like that that are triggered through our fight and flight response. Like when we're in an emergency, a life death situation, that's supposed to be short lived. It's not supposed to be this happens and I'm at this level of sort of like you know, heightened sense all the time for an extended period of time. It's, it's, it's not great for us. And so, like I said, for me, self-care, a big part of it is like ferociously protecting that and knowing the implications of this being really instrumental in your health and your well-being. So when I come up with a plan, for me, the plan is like, this is not something that I should, I should not be prioritizing. This is something that absolutely needs to happen. So like, if that means, and I've I've been employing this a lot and I kind of like it, um, the do not disturb on my phone. I don't want to hear any, you know, blings or alerts or this or that. We don't even realize how often that happens to us just in terms of like work alerts and emails or texts and various. We are constantly bombarded by surprise. I call them little bursts of like uh, adrenaline by way of these messagings and texts and notifications think about all the different apps that are on your phone especially if you have more than one email address let you know at least you know um there's a lot of feedback that you're always getting and, and if you're in a place of position of, of power authority as a professional that can be i want to say 10 times that so when you're getting emails from colleagues and coworkers or uh or or people who work for you with the latest crisis or issue or fire that needs to be put out over time, that's a lot of stress, it's a lot of things. So when you come up with your self-care plan, I think you have to, like I said, go back to the triggers again and then yeah. create a plan that kind of creates a barrier between that trigger and your wellness, right? <laughs> this is the trigger and this is the wellness. So like, if I don't want to deal with, you know, like for teachers and things like that, I used to tell them a lot, you know, even when I was an administrator, like there needs to be an out of office reply at a certain point during the evening. People have to understand you are not answering emails at 10 o'clock at night about a homework assignment. Guess why? Because you should be with your family right. for the day. Right. And so as an administrator, that was an important message for me to give the people that I was uh, supervising because I think it's important. Not everybody has like that same kind of situation with the work-life balance or creating that, but, and everyone, everybody's uh, work situation isn't one in which kind of values a work-life balance or ba- right. values um, the balance between your health and wellness and like your productivity at work, right? So just because that's the situation that you're in 
doesn't mean you shouldn't try to find places where, again, with the boundaries, you can create some boundaries around yourself so that you can protect that for yourself. Because sometimes it's going to be given around you through, like I said, your institution or let's say those said relationships that we were talking about before, like with work and family and, and, um, and lovers and whoever else, right? Sometimes they're not going to recommend the boundary or suggest the right. boundary or create the boundary. You, you're going to have to do that work. So I think the biggest thing in the plan as far as setting up the self-care plan is knowing what those triggers are and creating things that are obstacles to said triggers so that those kinds of um, sort of like that influx of like, here's another thing, here's another thing that that gets uh, minimized nice. so that you have time, like I said, to catch your breath. So that's definitely part of the plan. Another part of the plan I think is really important is, uh, you know, for me, like I said, meditation and just finding time to sit still for a right. bit. Meditation, prayer. Right. You know, some people meditate, some people pray, some people do both. I'm one of the people that do both. Uh, I need both. So I, need prayer. I do you prayer do and I do meditation. Yeah. And I also do this thing um, and, you know, I'm stealing it from Issa Rae's um, Insecure show, Self Care Sunday. So, you know, I know for you, this is, you know, self care is a lifestyle, but for me, it's like I'm not there yet where it could be like an everyday. <laughs> so, like, I dedicate Thank certain other parts of the day or I set a day aside to do certain things. So, like, yeah. Sundays, I tend to wash my hair, I do facials, I sage my house with all the haters and the negativity and the energy, <laughs> right? So that's like my Sunday routine without fail. You know, I'll, if I don't go to a church service, maybe I'll listen to a sermon um, on TV or online, like that, that, that one day of the week, I know if I don't have any it, other six days, I don't know what's going to happen. But on this day, I know this is a routine for me. And I think that's part of self-care, creating yep. some sort of routine, it even is. if it is just like one one day a week, you know, even and if just you fall um, off the wagon, you come right. back to it's the fine routine. Because you because you've already set the routine. You can easily go back to something you've created if you've already created it. I mean, exactly. I can tell people now, I'm like, no matter what, I'm gonna go and get like a manicure and a massage every two weeks, no matter what. Like that's, that's just something I want to do for myself. So like. Yeah, I think it's just creating some sort of whether you fall off the wagon here and there or not, but like just creating the actual routine, picking a day, picking an afternoon, you know, something somewhat regular. And what's cool about it is like you look forward to it. Like I look forward to yes. on Sunday. Yes. I look forward to, you know, at night, I like candles all over my house. My house is just flooded with candles at night. So you come into my house, it looks like Christmas all year round. Like it's just white lights, white lights, white lights, because that in itself gives me this feeling of just like the world being right and balanced and peaceful. I love Christmas All is right too. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like even my just like burning a candle. Right, because like burning a candle and taking a bath doesn't really cost anything, right? So it sure doesn't. Like buy the it candle. really right. doesn't. Right. Something uh, I love is um, mm -hmm. I love uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, the infusers, like the the oil. The mm. I love those. I have some really amazing fragrances and I just love to sort of just have the fragrance and the smell and all of it just kind of like get you all in the mood and to the mood to relax. And um, yeah, definitely. I, I and, and something else I know that you like and for people that are on the West Coast that are listening or, or near beaches, warm weather, oh, you are near beach. a beach. If you are near a oh, beach, Year round, you have the opportunity to do something for free. Get in your car, go to the beach, even if it's not the hottest day to get in the water. In fact, today, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive to the beach. I'm just going to do a walk, you know, like take advantage of just 
God, the resources nature, around you. The resources <laughs> around you, exactly. That don't even cost anything, right? So, anything. yeah, definitely. I think all of that goes into, you know, like you said, identifying um, a resource or making it, like you said, a part of the routine of yourself. Yes. Like, I love the ocean. Definitely yes. an important. Um, I try to get out to the ocean as often as possible. I've obviously been in back and forth to Cali since I am licensed there as well. And um, I do plan to get out there soon. I'm definitely going to need to get to the beach. And I yes. agree with you. It's not always something at times about just being in the water. Sometimes I just enjoy looking at it. Just, just looking calm. at it. Yes. It can be very hypnotic. It can be very um, uh, calming. So yes. So with that being said, can you tell our audience where they can find you on social media? your sure. website. Yes. Please tell our audience. So yes, where yes. are you on social media? So um, I am new-ish to social media. So I will say that. I think I really only decided to join social media um, probably sometime during the pandemic. So I would say my account is young, um, mm-hmm. but you can follow me at Dr. Samira. That's dr. S-I-M-I-R-A, Dr. Samira on Instagram. And my website is www.chasesolutions. That's Chase spelled C-H-A-I-S-E, solutions.com. Um, and I have a podcast and I also have um, some And videos. your podcast is... Uh- uh, from, from my, my, couch, my couch, to couch to yours with Dr. Yes. Samira. Yes, yes, Dr. yes. Samira. Um, they tend to be like shorter clips of sort of just like tips and musings. Um, so if you don't have a ton of time, that's okay. You can give yourself about 15, 20 minutes. Usually that drive to work is just enough time to, to get a tip. I talk about lots of different things, things, parenting hacks, relationships hacks, uh, all kinds of different things. Um, so yeah, you can check me out on those platforms. I'm also searchable on ZocDoc and on Psychology Today also. Great, great. So I just want to recap for our audience because you know I'm 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 a I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a teacher, so I like to repeat myself. <laughs> Some guys are like, "Stop repeating yourself." I heard you the first time. I can't help it. So like, I'm not sure you did. Hold on, you might have stepped over my boundaries. So wait a just, right, just so that the audience just can remember everything we talked about in a nutshell. You are gonna one think about your needs. Two, list your triggers. Three, make your boundaries. Four, identify your support system and resources. And then five, make that self-care plan. So uh, those are five tips for today. We appreciate you coming on to discuss them with our uh, audience that's uh, listening or even watching a clip of of this podcast. And everyone, again, follow Dr. Samir on Instagram. Check out our website if you are looking to get unstuck. Uh, whether you're individual or you're married, you have kids, um, I, I definitely recommend her. And until next time, um, take care of yourself. And thank you again, Dr. Samira, for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Fab Life. Until next time, please make sure to follow us on all our social media handles at, at I am legally fab. Take care.